Welcome to the Gula Podcast, number 132. We are here after the shocking results against Anderlecht and Swansea. Never has an international break seemed more appealing. Just like Have I Got News For You, we have another guest host. This time in the form of me, Mark Hollington. Unlike the old host of that popular BBC news quiz, previous leader of this parish, David Udo, wasn't fired for taking drugs and doing some naughty sex stuff. Oh no, we actually like that type of thing here at the Gouda. We just want to keep things fresh, vibrant and sexy. Hopefully I can be at least one of those things today if I step into the chair at the other side of the table. But enough about me, it's all about the panel. And let me tell you, this is as good as it gets. We have three legendary figures from the world of the Gouda. Panels do not come more heavyweight and prestigious than this. First up is a man who has been up and down like a bride's nighty with his views on Wenger over the years. Where will the cookie crumble tonight? It's the always controversial, the never dull, the entirely baby-faced hybrid spy known to his friends and the tax man as Steve Ashford. How are you? I'm, I've been better actually, Mark. Tell a lie, I've been better. I was alright till four o'clock yesterday. Well Steve, we should hear some of those views later tonight. Absolutely. But welcome. Thank you very much. Next up. We have a great panellist, the Guna editor. The AKBs get cross with this guy all the time. So much so that if you ever read his comments under his online editorials, you wonder if he should take out death by sniper in insurance. But he is much loved on this pod. His hard-hitting, no-nonsense style makes even the most heterosexual of men bow at his feet. It is, of course, Kevin Witcher. I wasn't aware, but thank you for informing me of that. Very, very true. And last but certainly not least. It is someone whose appearances here are rarer than Abu Dhabi. But unlike poor old Dhabi, when he, when he does come out, we get a full-on performance full of commitment and with no fear that his legs could explode at any moment. It is a former editor of The Guna, now its publisher, and the dude who pays for this pod and the free meal we get for doing it. It is the man, the legend, the beating heart of The Guna, it's Mike Francis. Hello. You've not really built me up there, haven't you? Mike, you've got a lot to live up I've to. I've got a lot to live up to now, yeah. Well, what a panel, eh? And a good job too, as we have some pretty weighty matters to discuss. And this pod takes a bit of a different turn tonight because you've been tweeting in your questions, which is fantastic. This is really the first interactive Guna podcast, so that's extremely good fun. But before we get to your tweets, I'm going to ask the first question. And this is to our esteemed editor, Kevin. Kevin... And Electon Swansea, what went wrong? Well, what went wrong is that uh, we were ahead in the games and uh, continued going for goals. It was classic gung-ho gunners. Um, and were exposed because, I mean, aside from concerns about the strength of the back four and the depth, the midfield in front of them kind of abdicated their duty and um, invited the opposition to get back in the game. Um, the amazing thing is that um, 
everyone can see it it's, it's not rocket science what's going on and, and yet after it happened once against Anderlecht and it's happened many times before in the past but it, you know it happened on Tuesday night against Anderlecht you'd have thought uh, only five days later that there might be some thought either amongst the players or from the bench that once you establish a lead you uh, defend it however not Arsenal we've got to entertain the troops out there we've got to thrill the audience and the one thing you will say about Arsenal matches on television at the moment you know goals are guaranteed <laughs> both ends and uh, if you don't care about the result you'll, you're going to enjoy it um, the one thing I did when Arsenal went to 1-0 ahead uh, at Swansea was quickly put a bet on a double chance of uh, a draw or a home win I got odds of 3-1 to one on that so I made some money from Arsenal's inevitable collapse I suggest our fans who uh, enjoy the in-play betting markets look for similar opportunities in the future because uh, as I said in my piece after the Anderlecht game why wouldn't you trust an Arsenal Wenger team to take your dog for a walk because it can't hold a lead and uh, <laughs> this has been going on for quite some time there was a good old Gap, you know, I mean, the end of 2012-13, we had to uh, get some results and we started playing like a team almost in the George Graham mould of 1-0 wins and boring the pants off everybody. Last season, again, we were hanging on to Leeds. Now, why suddenly the midfield have decided to go walk about this season, I do not know, but uh, it's back to some of the worst uh, of Arsenal that we have seen um, in the last sort of eight years, and, well, uh, we haven't got a midfield though, can have we? Really? I mean, we, when Arteta goes and the lamentable form of Ramsey, Wilshere hasn't didn't play in the Anderlecht or the Swansea games. You will, your, your midfield is basically Flamini, and he was passed it last year. Should have been replaced in the summer. There isn't a midfield. No wonder teams just wander through it at will. And and yesterday it was criminal. Everyone could see that that Montero was tearing Chambers apart. Why on earth? I mean, I was texting all my mates, you know, you know, give Chambers some backup, get some help yeah. out there for him, get Bellerin on. At least he's got pace, this guy Bellerin. He's supposed to be the fastest yeah. fullback ever. So I'm, I'm thinking, <clears throat> why did Wenger let Jenkinson go if he didn't have any faith in Bellerin? Because he clearly hasn't got any faith in Bellerin, otherwise he'd play him or bring him on as a, as a substitute. We would look far more balanced if Bellerin was a right back, Chambers was partnering Nurse Saka in the middle. So I think having seen Chambers for most of this season, I would say that he's a better centre-half than he is a right-back, certainly at this stage in his career. We could all see that yesterday. Wenger couldn't see it. We had no midfield protection. Could have bought, we could have brought Wilshere on a lot earlier when we were 1-0 up, told him to protect that back four. Could have brought Bellerin on. We didn't need Walcott. We should have started with Walcott. We didn't need Walcott coming on. We needed Bellerin and Wilshere. But our clueless manager couldn't see it. The only person in the world that couldn't. So depressing. But that's True. the thing, isn't it? It's like, like the, the last two games, the Anderlecht game, it's like, you know, there, there was however many people in the stadium were, they were there, you know, 40-something thousand. It certainly wasn't any more than that. And we, everyone was saying the same thing coming out of the grounds. Why didn't, why didn't we see what was happening and put Bellerin on? You know, the mm. problems were all down the left-hand side of against Anderlecht. Yeah. And they created, they scored the first goal from there. They created two or three chances after. Penalty came like, from that side. Penalty came from that side. And it was like... You know, hang on, we've got a right-sided defender on the bench here who's, who's lightning yeah. quick. Why don't we bring him on? Play, play him in front of Chambers. Or play yeah, him, you know, yeah. Whatever you want to do, but yeah. give him some support. 
and it was exactly the same yesterday. Yeah, you know. Kev and I sat next to each other for the Angelic game, and as early as about the tenth minute, I said to Kev, I said that a chimpong, that guy number eighteen, yeah, he's tearing chambers apart. As we got to be careful here, otherwise they'll score through it. <coughs> sure, sure yeah. enough, they did. We got two, two <coughs> got two tweets here, Steve. Mark Holmes says, "Why do you think Wenger's teams have not learned from the same mistakes?" And Krista Johnson, similar thing you've been chatting about there. Why have people Bellerin? Um, why use people that um, are never used? Should have lifted Chambers at half time at, at at least. So why isn't Wenger? Why hasn't he learned? And why, as you mentioned, do you think he doesn't see what's going on during a match? Why did Chambers, who was getting absolutely slaughtered in that game, why did nothing happen? Is it down to the man Wenger? Of course, absolutely. His in-game management is appalling. You've only got to look at Mourinho, he's the best manager in the world in my opinion, and that's why Chelsea is so far ahead. If that was a Mourinho team, and one of his full-backs was getting roasted by a winger, first thing he would do, no matter what time of the game it was, 20th minute, 30th minute, 40th minute, he would, he would do something to rectify that. If he had a perfectly speedy alternative right back on the bench, he'd bring him on, no question. And if he'd won up with 15 minutes to go, Mourinho would just make sure that goal is not breached. That would never happen. You just knew when Chelsea went 2-1 up at Liverpool on Saturday, you knew Liverpool weren't going to score, apart from a penalty, which could have been given for a dodgy handball. But you just knew, by and large, they were not going to score an open play. And they didn't. And it never happens against Chelsea. But, you know, I know us it's just criminal Wenger never makes an in-game substitution that wins us the match but and I think that as much as anything is why people are so frustrated with him but it's as much because he, he, he trusts his players yeah. isn't it I mean he be- you know, we've seen it you know, over the last 18 years that he, he believes the players that he puts out there are intelligent enough to learn and from what they're doing and see where, where it's going wrong themselves without needing that direction mm. Well, you know, maybe in the Invincibles era, we had the players which had the footballing brain. Mm. You know, something Theo's been accused of not having. Well, I'm beginning to wonder whether we've got 11 of them that haven't got a mm. footballing brain because, mm. you know, Chambers was just stuck out there. And, yeah, Wenger, Wenger should have done something. And I think that, you know, we all agreed on that. But, frankly, so should the players on the pitch. Mm. You know, Mertesacker should have been saying, Christlock's drop back, give him some help. Even if it's only for 10 minutes, give him mm. some help. Flamini or, or whoever, you know, mm. there, there are players out there with lots of experience that should be seeing that happening and doing something about it. Yeah, what do you think to that, Kev? You know, Wenger's tactics? I mean, um, does, I he, does the guy have any tactics? Uh, well, I mean, uh, in fairness, I mean, you know, th- at the start of the game yesterday, um, I thought there was a response to the Anderlecht's performance in that we were, certainly for the first half, trying to close them down. We were harassing them in their own half you know for a, a, a portion of the game our forwards were actually chasing down the ball and making it difficult for Swansea to play um, so I, I'm sure that was a direct instruction you know I think they were sent out with with basically uh, the plan I mean the, the thing about Alexis Sanchez is he learned this under Guardiola at Barcelona that's why he does it all the time anyway but the other players were also doing it as well and I thought well good you know this is what we want to see work rate winning the ball back um, we forced a couple of chances in the first half through basically just dispossessing them getting on top of them um, so there was some element of something different at the start of the game but what it was is we fell into bad habits once we we established the lead because that lead was very hard thought and and you know once we had yeah, they it they weren't a bad side were they Ken? 
They weren't a bad side, to be honest. No. I mean, you know, in fairness, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't begrudge them the win. Uh, I mean, it could have been a draw, probably, yeah. overall. But the long and short of it is uh, Arsenal had to work damn hard to get that lead. And once they did, it didn't seem very important to them to protect it. You know, it seemed more important to to get 2-0 rather than, than so, keep well, 1-0. <clears throat> what makes it so frustrating? We got away with the penalty when Chambers pushed Bonnie in the first half. Clear penalty. Yeah. And we were lucky to get away with that. You know, they were a good side. We've gone one up. And as Kev rightly says, we've worked very, very hard. It was a great goal. I mean, when Chamberlain was running through before he fed Welbeck, yeah. two of them tried to chop him. And luckily, he, avoid, he avoided it. We've scored. And you're thinking, right, brilliant. This is a very hard game to win. Let's just make sure we don't lose it now. <coughs> OK, the, the, the brilliant free kick was a one in a million. Yeah, but it's what led to the <coughs> problem, know, yeah. was the crime. I mean, second players in there off. Forty-nine times out of fifty, ninety-nine times out of hundred, that doesn't go in. It goes over the bar or into the wall. We were unlucky there, but let's just keep the point. Once that's happened, let's keep the point. Well, well you don't overcommit, and I mean, it's it's long been a problem with Arsenal that uh, they have. But the, going back to the midfield, we don't have a midfield. Who was anchoring the midfield last season? And we're winning these sorts of games. It mm. was Arteta and Ramsey. Mm. So okay, you've got Flamini and Ramsey. Are you telling me Arteta's the difference? Yeah, I think he is. So I you think, think Arteta if Arteta had played yesterday, we'd have won that game? Possibly, we'd have had a better chance. I, 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 what I, do you I, think, Mike? Well, the interesting thing was you go back to the Burnley game, where we, we'd been on a run where we conceded a few goals, and we started at home at Burnley, and we played Arteta and Flamini, didn't we? Mm. And I think you know there was. But a lot of people raised eyebrows from Arsenal fans saying, Jesus, yeah, we're starting with two defensive midfield players and get home to Burnley. It's like, yeah, but, I think, but I think the reason for that was because just to give ourselves some solidity on which to build, which, mm. you know, we didn't, I can't remember exactly when we scored, but we heard, I think we'd taken one of them off by then. Yeah, it was. But it was like, you know, but then you go, go away to Swansea and, okay, Arteta wasn't available, but you've still got, as, as Kev said, you've still got Ramsey there. Well, play Ramsey and, and I mean Ramsey was told in no uncertain terms after the Anderlecht game stop bloody glory yeah. hunting the goal do your job and yet him and Flamini were both ahead of the ball when they mm. broke for that free mm. kick mm. you know and, and Gibbs was almost ahead of the ball himself you know it was like we, didn't, we almost had Mertesacker and, and Monreal uh, left to yeah. defend it. that leads to another question though why are all of our midfield players when I say all of them Wilshere, Arteta Flamini predominantly because that's the only three we've got why, why Riziki you never plays why have they all gone down in, in form this year why has their form deserted well that's the question Steve and something else that's been asked is if you think about all the performances this season we're on nearly a third of the way into the season yeah. you can count on one hand how many good games has it actually been yeah. and you got that game against Villa but the Villa team had come down with sickness yeah, yeah. That Turkish team. Well, even the Villa game. The Villa game was like a five-minute purple patch. Wasn't yeah. it? I mean, the rest of it was was pretty dull. The Galatasaray game, we went four 0 up, right? If you remember, they got a penalty back, four-one, and after that, Ospina saved three certain goals. Yeah. So we nearly collapsed against them. So the question it was yeah. Ospina that kept us in that yeah. game. Yeah. So your question, Steve, about yeah, why the players gone downhill? Yeah. You could potentially argue it's only our new signings that are doing the business. Yeah. Kev, why is that? Why has it been such a dip in form with the players that were? On, on song last season well we, we were playing differently last season I mean you know we've got to remember that we had a different style in that Giroud was centre forward um, Ozil was playing behind him most of the time we we are set up differently this season and in a way you, you may, might make the argument that they're still adapting 
I mean, Sanchez is a brilliant player, but uh, as a team, uh, we haven't integrated him into what we were doing before. The whole team is now changing to adapt to Sanchez and, and Welbeck. So, in a sense, we, we're reinventing the wheel simply because Giroud got injured. If Giroud had not got injured, we probably wouldn't have bought Welbeck. Um, um, it would have just been a matter of adapting to Sanchez, which might have been uh, more straightforward. So, in a way, I think, unless you've got top, top quality players, and we, we don't have many really top grade players. But isn't that an indictment on Wenger's management? We don't have a great deal of top quality players. Um, well, you why see, you, if, you, if, you compare us, if you compare us with other teams that have got top quality players, you've got to, you've got to look at why they're top quality. And in some instances, it's because they were bought already being at that level. Mm. Other, other ways, it's because they've been coached to reach that level. And sometimes it's just playing with other top-level players that brings them up mm. the level. Mm. So if you think about Chelsea, if you think about a player like Matic, you know, he was playing with Benfica and they weren't pulling up many trees, I suspect. I don't know. I didn't watch much Portuguese football. But now he's in amongst better players. He suddenly looks almost world-class. Mm. Um, so players... I mean, Ashley Cole was a classic example of that. You know, he was almost lost to Arsenal, to Palace. The whole Silvino passport scandal yeah. erupted. Why would Wenger want to do that? Well, because Wenger doesn't rate English players, doesn't trust English players, technically. Now, he's changed his mind of late because he knows all the continental players are just going to bugger off. So he's now realised he's actually got to get players in who are going to stick around, and there's a lot more chance of that happening if they're English. Um, Poor old Jenkinson didn't get. Well, kept no, around, no, did Jenkinson he? was not kept around. Um, Wenger doesn't rate Jenkinson, in all of my fairness. You know, he took a punt on him for a million quid. Obviously, Wenger isn't satisfied. I suspect with his technique. But he doesn't rate Bellerin either, by the look of it. Well, that that that's interesting because Bellerin isn't English um, and he's young, so you've got to wonder there what the thought is. Um, he obviously trusts Monreal more, and that's presumably an error of judgment. But Wenger is a judge of players. He, sometimes he gets it right, sometimes he gets it wrong. Um, but going back to Cole, he was put in alongside Adams. Mm. And he was operated in Campbell, mm. and he was operated on strings, and he developed as a player through being basically worked by mm. the much more experienced player next to him. We can't tell what a good player Cole was, though, even at eighteen, nineteen. I don't know that's true because I, I could say that about a lot of. I mean, I still think we should have hung on to Larson. Mm. Why did we let Larson exactly. go? I thought Larson looked good when he played for us. Yeah, certainly had technique. Well, what about Cole Bartley yesterday? We were in desperate need of a centre half. And one of their ex said the halves were playing for Swansea. Mike, what's your view of the current squad in comparison to, say, last season or the season before? We've even gone out, we have spent cash, players have obviously left, but what is your view of the current squad? Well, the squad? The squad, in terms of numbers and quality, should be better, but that's not what we're seeing on the pitch. I mean, Sanchez, you know, he's come in and, yeah, it's hard to fault him. He gives away a little ball, ball away a little bit too often, but. You know, he, he generally wins it back as well, so you can't, you can't really argue with it. But everyone else just seems to have gone backwards. You know, you, you go through the whole squad. Um, Welbeck's come in and I think it's done okay. Um, the Ox, 
has had a couple of good games in the last week, probably, but he had an absolute shocker. I can't remember which game it was, but it was Burnley. The one before Burnley, was yeah. The one before yeah. Burnley. Yeah, yeah. Really, you know, the shocker in that game, you know, I think yeah. his pass percentage was about 10%. Yeah, awful, I remember that game. But, um, you know, but then you look at the back four, and you know, well, Mertesack, I mean, Mertesack has basically admitted that he's, uh, you know, fair play to him for actually coming out and saying it, but he, but he said, he, you know, he's lost the motivation after the World Cup, and he's only took him three months to get it back. <laughs> yeah, it's great. If we had I'm glad we're paying you yeah. 60 grand a, a week or centre-halves, if we had a squad, Mertesack well, wouldn't be playing, no, would he? You, arrested you, him. you can't drop... That's, that's the position Wenger's left himself in. He can't drop central defenders for form reasons. Which but, is, we, but we're not dropping anyone. I mean, the player that deserves to be dropped most, in my opinion, at the moment, is Casola. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, he, I, yeah. I, I can't think of anything that he's no. done this season. And his corner taking is, oh, Jesus. Well, when I was talking about the midfield earlier, I completely forgot about him because he's just not there. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and yeah. as you say, you know, Rosetsky, who is probably past it in all honesty, yeah. but at least he comes on and gives a yeah. shift. Oh, I'm playing him. I'll, I'll be playing anyone there. Yeah, well, I mean, let's be fair. Football is a squad game in this day and age. You've got a game every, every well, two games a week, most weeks. And when you get a week off, the players are all playing in internationals. You know, everyone's got a twenty-man squad, which a lot of Premier teams, Premier League teams, utilise. Why does Wenger run the same twelve or thirteen players into the ground and exclude the other seven or eight? I mean, this year, this year, this year alone, Podolski, Rizicki, uh Joel Campbell, Bellerin. They've all been completely ignored. So when they are called upon, they're going to say, why should I play for this idiot of a manager? He's ignored me for four months and now he expects me to come in and get him out of a hole. Well, Joel Campbell came on in a couple of games, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and, and looked you know, very was, good. was quite good and you know, yeah. made a difference in the games. And then, you know, he's not, he's not even in the reckoning. So no. Snow goes back fit and yeah. that's bye-bye yeah. Joel Campbell. Well, well, these players are going to go in January, or they're going yeah. to want to go in January, and we'll have a squad of 13 players. And they'll all be totally knackered. It's so worrying. Well, with five, five, yeah. Fit, yeah. well, with five minutes to him go um, against Anderlecht, uh, what was it, away from home, he brought on a German player, come on, scored the winner. Yesterday, five minutes to go, brings on Sinogo. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating, Wenger. Um, speaking of our great manager, lots of um, tweets been coming about, about him. I'll start with Mike with this one for you. If Arsenal missed out on the top four, do you think the panel, do the panel think Wenger would actually resign or would the board sack him? You don't think, you think, Simple you, as that. you think there's no I, chance of him going? Just I say, think I, I, think I, said, I, think I said yesterday on Twitter after the game, I said the only person that's going to make a decision about what happens from now on for the next two and a half years is Wenger. The board, the board, one, they won't sack him, and two, even if they did, I wouldn't trust them to bloody appoint, appoint a new manager. They'd probably point bold mm. because he'd be cheap. Um, and I, I just think Wenger will feel, Wenger is. is has the level of arrogance that he will feel I can turn this round don't worry I'll, it'll be fine and unless there is so much you know a grief he gets from the fans which again I don't see happening unless that turns inside the ground I think he'll go it's all alright we'll be fine Kev if we were say 8th come Christmas do you think that's still the case do you think he's safe as houses yeah because uh, even 8th come Christmas he'll think he can get 4th um I mean, the thing about it is, he is obviously quite obsessed by financial minutiae, and that would include his own wages. So he knows that if he's sacked, he will get a huge payoff. So he's not going to resign. So it's down to the board to sack him. Whether well, the board are going to be very reluctant to do that, 
and ultimately the board is in terms of decision making Stan Kroenke um, and Kroenke is, is perfectly content you know I mean we are still with a decent chance of getting in the top four um, over the course of a season simply because all the teams have beaten each other um, but after the FA Cup win weren't the expectations meant to be greater now wasn't it meant to be mm. about well no who's, whose expectations well, ours uh, no, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the person that matters Stan Kroenke's expectations you think Wenger's expectations are just now to come forth after spending whatever he spent on well no Wenger will always want to win Wenger wants desperately to win trophies he wants to do it on his terms if Wenger wanted to win trophies that badly if he wanted to compete with Chelsea that badly if he really wanted to win the Champions League, why did he leave himself short of centre backs this year? Why are we playing with an average keeper? Well, because he, we doesn't, got, he doesn't. He doesn't trust. Why have we got no decent right backs? He doesn't. Why tr- have we got two ancient people <laughs> in the midfield? Because he doesn't trust his own scouting team. And Ian Wright said on Radio Five yesterday that he knows for a fact, presumably because he was told by him, the man himself, that Steve Bold recommended certain players to the club that we could buy. Yeah. Wenger isn't interested in what Bolt thinks. Well, that, that, well that's terrible, isn't yeah, it? Because Gary, Nichols Nichols here, yeah. Gary Nichols tweets in what actually is Steve Bowles contribution to the M team. But is it Steve Bowles' fault he can't well, He likes that cone, sorry. Well, well, I think everything we'll that Kev says... We'll come back to Houston days. Everything that Kev says about Wenger, I mean, he's it, it's it's digging a deeper and deeper hole for Wenger to jump into. Because it, clearly, he's not doing the best he can for the football club. If he doesn't listen to Steve Bold. If he, if he just does whatever he wants, if he expects to win trophies with this ridiculous back four we've got, and rubbish keeper... But the problem is that's always the way he's done it. Yeah. It's, it's not changed. But we and he was very successful it. in the first ten years, nine years. So, so like, well, well, what has changed now? Well, he can probably convince well, the himself the, that I did it that way and it worked, so that, 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 that worked again. The first five years, he had Tony Adams, Martin Keogh, and Steve... Uh, not Steve um, Dixon, Winterburn, Winterburn. We know that. Parler. But he doesn't. I don't think he gives the credit to those players. Yeah. Enough credit to those players for yeah. what, what happened in those years. Yeah. I mean, what what happened in those years was that the the tactical stuff that was going on on the field was sorted out by the players. Mm. And it, it's interesting that when England was successful in the World Cup under Bobby Robson, it's because the players it's took over to the home. team. Well, you go back to 97, 98 season and that game at home to Blackburn, wasn't it? Just before Christmas, three one defeat. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and the, you know, the story is well documented that Adam after that game, Adam said to Petit and Vieira, you're not doing your effing job, you need to protect us. You've got to do your job in front of us. And Martin Keown on Match of the Day 2 last night said it, you know, about Murtisak, he said, as a central defender, you get your midfield working their arse off because then you don't have to. Mm. And, and we're not doing that no but that's what happened in 97 yeah. and that's why Vieira and, and Petit became it's such animals and we, we went on the way surely Wenger's clever enough and intelligent enough to realise that the players he's got now just aren't good enough to, de- no, to no, do that or no. to win him trophies he doesn't he doesn't realise that you know, well then Wenger, get a new manager oh, hallelujah <laughs> yeah. if only but so the question is will Wenger be sacked we'll say no yeah. he'll be there by hook or by um crook do you think now, Steve, you're a man of the people, you yeah. know, you're yeah. there, you're, 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 the, you're the voice Pearly. of the fans. Say no more. Would you, where do you say the kind of split is now amongst the Arsenal supporters of pro or anti-Venger? Well, at I'm, this I, current moment in time. Well, I said in my last column, um, Stan Collymore on Talk Sport 
he reckoned that yeah, the I'm amount of Arsenal sure. fans are ringing him up, right? <laughs> not sure this is like a good stat. That, 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 that he reckoned seventy percent of Arsenal fans that ring talk, talk Sport, not just his show but all of the shows, want Wenger out. And I said that I would roughly agree with that. You go, I, I find it very difficult to go into a pub these days and find someone who's pro Wenger. You go to any pub around Arsenal. I know they're just drinkers, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't speak to the blokes just get on the tube and go home straight after the game. They might all be Wenger's greatest fans. But the guys, that, the, the, the intelligent ones that like a drink, I would say 70% of them want Wenger out. You look online, it's probably 80% of fans want Wenger out. There are whole websites that, you know, like the Guna and Le Grove being one of them, that want Wenger out. I, I find it, Arsenal TV, all the after-match interviews, you're hard pushed to find anyone that supports Wenger. So Steve with talk sport type stuff into seventy percent. Mike, what do you reckon the ratio well, might come? I think Steve's here? right, but that's if people go, oh, go on talk sport and go on <laughs> websites and give an opinion, and yeah. and that's yeah. not. I'm not sure that's reflected. Right. You know, it's like it's, it's like saying, how often do you ring up British Gas and say, thanks, you did a great job this yeah. week. I have, I've, 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 I've had gas every day. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're out without it for a day, you're on the phone to them first thing. Yeah. So it's the people that want to moan, will moan. Mm. The people that don't stay quiet and you don't yeah. hear from them. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's still pretty close to 50-50, but I think we're close to a tipping point. What do you reckon? Do you reckon we get a full-scale fan revolt at Arsenal? Um, I think if it continues, then yes. But the thing about Wenger is he will always pull just about enough results out to quell the masses. I mean, someone said to me that he, at the Wigan uh, semi-final, they thought the crowd was on the edge of turning. And that if we hadn't have actually equalised and we'd lost that game, that would have been it in terms of the crowd. I agree with that. I think, I think, I think, that's so true. that, I think that shows been, the potential. Because you've got to remember... Everyone at that semi-final was pretty much a season ticket holder. Yes. So these are the regulars in theory. So it could happen. And the Villa game against it was the opening day of the last opening season. That's been a few nasty, points, didn't it? And, mm. and I, you know where it could have gone either way. And, yeah. and as Kev said, he's always just done enough and pulled it back from the brink. But I mean, you know, every every away game now, you hear. Pardon me, you hear about Arsenal fans turning on Arsenal yeah. fans. It was kicking off yesterday at Swansea, it was going off in Anderlecht, you know. Apparently, they were singing, We want Wenger out. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's, that's the most depressing thing that you've now got this real division yes. between yes. fans. <laughs> is that, you know, if, if, and it's a huge if, and I don't think it will happen, but if Wenger was to go, you'd have 50% of fans going, I can't believe you've driven him out. So the other 50% who've gone, well, that's the only conclusion we, we had yeah. to come to. But and, and if we get a new manager in, yeah, but if we get a yeah. new manager in, yeah. and he doesn't, he doesn't start winning yeah. games immediately, he does what Van Hull's done at Man United, and he's like, oh, it's transition and rebuilding and all that. This is just, yeah. well, you know, the, the fans that were going, I told you we should never have sat Wenger. So, and that, so that division, even if Wenger was to leave, is going to remain for the foreseeable. As far as but that's the thing, though, Mike. Wenger is his own worst enemy, because when we won the FA Cup, he had everyone behind him. Yeah, yeah. You know, two hundred and fifty thousand people. You know, even I, even I, had a tear in my eye. Oh dear old bloke, lovely old bloke. Won the FA Cup. Let's give him another three years. He'll change, right? So well, we all did. I know everyone did. So uh, in all fairness, in all fairness, I did. Great way to bow out, yeah, Arsenal. Yeah. It would have been a great way, but perfect opportunity. He goes out and signs Sanchez. Great idea. Chambers, great idea. Good centre-back, not such a good right-back. Um, Welbeck, fantastic, really good. 
Um, who else did we sign? Debussy. Great signing. Ospina. Been injured. Ospina, yeah, really could, could be decent. So you're thinking, right, he's on the right track here. Maybe he's changed a bit. Maybe he's going to do a bit of in-game management. He's going to make substitutions after 50 minutes instead of 70 minutes. Maybe he's going to sign those two central defenders we need. Maybe he's going to get that monster of a central midfielder. And then everyone's going to love him and it's going to be brilliant. But typical Wenger, he just couldn't go through with it, could he? He had to stop halfway so the fans were once again divided. Oh, well, I think I, will, I have enough. The keeper's fine. The centre-backs are fine. You, you know. And everyone goes, oh, no, Arsene, you've let us down again. And those divisions have started. Very true, Steve. So, Kev, with all this in mind and this very optimistic podcast, what are your expectations now for the rest of the season? Um, Arsenal will start winning games again. Um, I wouldn't put this all of that. They will. I mean, Wenger always manages. Well, four all season. I th- I think that. Um, I mean, let's just talk about top four, okay? Chelsea, yes. Man City, yes. And then you've got two spots which are up for contention, and you've got a few teams that that can do it, okay? Um, so you know, we've got we've got Giroud to come back. Uh, we've got Koscielny to come back. We've got Theo to start playing regularly. Um, Debussy to come back. Debussy to come back. You know, we have. That's the frustrating yeah, thing. Players probably will get injured in that time. They will. Yeah, they the will other, probably. The other, the other yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just going on experience. And, you know, the law of Murphy says that Wenger will wangle his way into fourth spot on the last day of the season. Is that good enough for you, Kev? Not for me. No, absolutely not. You know, Arsenal are a huge club. They should be winning trophies. There's no issue there. I've been saying for years that we need a manager who can get more out of the group of players we've got. Because we've got players who, who can win things. I mean, the hugely frustrating thing about uh, Alexis is that he is a winner. You know, he's the guy, kind of guy, the kind of player you have in your team that's going to win you trophies. The problem is that the players around him are not organised and motivated enough to actually see that through. And if you look at this season, you know, if we had a better team, if we'd have beaten Chelsea, if we'd have picked up the points this team should have picked up, we would be in first place. Okay? Um, The problem is that obviously the manager doesn't prepare the team properly, uh, doesn't set them out properly, doesn't motivate them. If you had a motivator, and when we lost to Blackburn in the FA Cup about uh, a season and a half ago, I said then in that editorial, what this team needs is a Mourinho. If Mourinho arrived and took charge of these players, we would be winning things and getting results. I was slagged off for it. I wonder now. I always am. am. But I wonder now if fans would accept Mourinho if they were offered him now? Well, I think that 70% would. That 70% of what well, would accept Mourinho. Because I don't think there's a lot of difference in many respects between Mourinho and George Graham in terms of their profile. OK, I know Mourinho is a bit more over the top, but times have changed. If George Graham was of this era... I suspect he'd have been a bit more annoying to opposition yeah, fans. The showbiz aspect of the Premier League mm. these days. Yes. But why are we talking about Mourinho? He's never going to leave Chelsea. No, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm right. sort of giving. He, we could have got him. Mm. We could have got him then. Yeah. Or even a couple him. of years ago. Mike, we're living in dreamland, but would you swap tomorrow, Wenger, for Mourinho? If you could? 
tomorrow morning. I'm giving it to you on a plate, Mike. Oh, God. Seriously, Mike. I hate Mourinho with a passion. Is but you'd love it no, if it was our manager. So, That's the yeah. point. Someone says to you, Mike, you are publisher of the Guna. We've loved your work <laughs> for nearly 30 years or whatever it is. You, oh, can, thanks, have, yeah. you can have Mourinho tomorrow. What would you do? You've got to take him because he's going to... Yeah, Kev's right. He will deliver success. And... You know, despite how unpleasant a character he is, we've had plenty of unpleasant characters mm. at Arsenal over the years, and we love them because of it. So, you, you know, you only got to ask Chelsea fans what they think of Mourinho. They adore him. Mm. And that's not just because he's delivered trophies. That's got a large part of it. But it's just he sticks up for Chelsea. So he mm. does everything right for, for the And for he, the he's like a fan on the pitch, isn't he? Like yesterday, we could all see that Chambers were getting roasted. Meridian would see that and do something yeah, about do it. do something about it. Yeah. And protect the poor lad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the guy's obviously got him talent, but he's been hung out to dry playing in every single match. So that's the thing with Wenger. I feel I'm so disconnected with Arsene Wenger for a million reasons. Wenger doesn't have a single moment for you, Steve. No, exactly. No. Or any exactly. other support. And I've exactly. heard, Steve, he's a much bigger fan of Nicky Cannon. just the way it is, mate. <laughs> I'm sure he is. The manager should have a connection with the fans, though, shouldn't he? He should have, but there is a fundamental disconnect between Wenger and supporters. And in fact, it's interesting that the event that they used to have where shareholders asked him questions at the end of every season has completely disappeared. And that is because Wenger has complete contempt for anyone who would question his methods. Well, that's something that's come out a lot in the last couple yeah. of weeks, hasn't it? I mean, he, you know, he had a right go at Merson. And he, he actually said, I've got no respect for anyone that's never managed. Well, yeah. Merson didn't manage very well, but he has actually managed. What did he say that any one of us wasn't saying? Yeah. You know, he said, we're tactically clueless. Do you know what? You know, you know what? Spot on the mark. I would, I would swap Wenger for Merson tomorrow. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Never mind Mourinho, you take Merson. Absolutely. Things are really desperate. Things have got, things have got bad. Yeah. Yeah. So look, Matt, Matt Fosker tweeted in, what realistically defines success for our, for our club? With everything that's now gone on, Mike, where do you reckon, what's the best of all, I mean, we mentioned there, what's the best we can possibly hope for? After, after the Dortmund away game, um, I was out with my, we were in, Dor in Dortmund, so we'd had plenty of German beer, and this probably came into, into what I then came out with. Um, but we started talking about where we're going to finish, because we'd obviously been horrendous against Dortmund. And I said, I said, I still think we'll finish third, because Chelsea are, last way Man City have just got a squad they'll come good and even, even that's looking a bit human and the rest we were better than all the rest by by margin well we were last year that, well I, last I, season I, yeah right, but this was at Dortmund so this was what mid-September you know so we hadn't seen a lot of it I thought oh, we'll come, we, you know, things will gel it'll come good I have to say two months on I'm now not so sure mm. I think I think third I, I tend to agree with Kev that I still think we'll be there or thereabouts so, but yeah, Southampton. If you look oh, at them, probably not. Man United, I think, will pull it together, and I mm. think they will get in the top yeah. four. Liverpool, I don't. I, no. think, I think I think they're the team that we need yeah. to beat. If we yeah. beat Liverpool, we'll finish fourth. Yeah. What about West Ham and Southampton? No, they're not. They're, no. They won't sustain it. No, Steve. Even though Southampton have got five, six players that we would love to have playing for us. I want your prediction now. Where do you think we're going to come? Fifth. Fifth. We'll narrowly miss out. Where did you say this time last year we'd finish? Probably fifth or sixth. <laughs> and last year, we had a better team. They were playing better. If you look at the game-to-game -game ratio, the opposition result ratio, 
between this year and last year. If you, if you look at the 11 games we've played this year, we only won four of them. Across those 11 games last year, we would have won about eight or nine of them. Spurs at home, Swansea away, one of the promoted teams away that we drew at Leicester. Our, <clears throat> our results this, this season against our opponents compared to last season have been appalling. And if that, if that carries on, because I've got no reason to think we're going to beat Manchester City at Main Road, Man United at Old Trafford, Spurs at White Hart Lane, no reason to think we're going to do that. So if the results know, carry on the way they are, against Yeah, but they're different against us. <laughs> we could well end up finishing sixth or seventh if the results carry on the way they are against opponents that we played last year. My word. Let's focus in the last ten minutes on the positive. Let's try to give our listeners something to grasp upon. There is no positive, Two words for you, Steve. Alexis Sanchez. He has been the guiding light of our season so far. In the last month since the last podcast, the guy's gone from strength to strength, nabbed goal after goal. Yeah, brilliant player. How good is he, Steve? In the pantheon of great Arsenal players. Fantastic player. He's like George Armstrong in the 74-75 team. Absolutely brilliant. The team was destined for relegation. He could have played in that team's championship side or whoever they were. Um, Derby yeah Sanchez very good that Kev Sanchez is like a jewel in a sea of absolute garbage I mean (laughs) you can see I mean what is the point of Alexis Sanchez he's playing brilliant every week without him we would probably be in the bottom five without his goals his 12 goals that he scored where would we be without them he's the only one that's scoring can't remember the last bloke that scored apart from him Now, now he's going to get quickly disillusioned playing with an idiot manager who doesn't respect anyone but himself, a clueless keeper, a couple of rubbish centre-halves, no midfield to speak of, he's going to be off on the first boat, eh? Kev, have you been impressed with him so far? And well, why, do you think you settled in, why didn't you settled in so quickly? A bit of me thinks maybe he doesn't understand a word Arsene Wenger's saying. <laughs> and that could be the key. So what we need is the players not to listen to the manager at all. And do their own thing, maybe. What a great environment, man. A brilliant, lovely well, club. Fifth no. or sixth richest club in the world. And the players have to get together and say, don't mm. listen to the manager. Well, I mean, a bit of me wonders. I mean, because it's interesting <laughs> that the better players this season, over the course of all the games, have been the new boys. Yes. Sanchez, um, Welbeck. Chambers started well as well, didn't Chambers, he? Chambers, Debussy yeah. before he yeah. got injured. And a bit of me wonders if the players that have been around longer have basically lost motivation because they know they know that with this manager we're not going to win anything and it, uh, psychologically they as far as the whole season's concerned even they are bored of just getting into fourth place because at the end of the day when a player finishes his career he doesn't look back and think we made fourth ten years in a row it doesn't really it's not the same as having a winner's medal on the mantelpiece. So um, I think players, like fans, really enjoy winning things. And OK, that might be a domestic cup. The players were really into it when we won the FA Cup. Um, and and I, I wonder if there's a sense of drift now amongst the longer-term players in that they know. Because a lot of them have, that have come from abroad have, have worked under other managers and they, they know that Wenger's basically a clueless idiot and uh, that Arsenal are not going to win things with him. The, the, the FA Cup was fluked, let's face it. We did our best. We did our best to throw it away, didn't we? Yeah, Beating Wigan on penalties yeah. and going 2-0 down against Hull City. Mike, 
Sanchez has been great this season, and compared to our other big money signing, Ozil, Fulham hasn't been performing to such um, expectations. But can you imagine and envisage a time where those two are on both on song playing for us? Think positive, Mike. Can you see it coming? Ozil comes back. He's feeding the ball to um, Sanchez. We're watching some glorious stuff. I Could it happen, Mr. Francis? Probably not. Listeners, I'm trying to I'm trying to gym up for the last ten minutes. It isn't it's, easy. It is depression, isn't it? Um, I, I, I don't. I'm not sure whether we're going to see Ozil again. You know, I, I, I do, do you wonder. really mean that? Do you think he could be off in January? That is, that is bad news. Do you well, think he could go in January? There are rumours. There's rumours, and uh, you know, <clears> then <throat> you, you, you just look at his commitment, didn't you? In, in the opening games of this this season, he wasn't the player he was even when he joined us last year. I mean, you know, he, when he, when he first joined, those first mm. two three months, you went, we've got we got a player here. You know, mm. work rate is shit, but mm. we're, you know, star quality. But after that, I mean, he's just lost it. And this, this, this season, you know, you even begin to question, it's like, where's the style quality gone? His passing's gone astray. It's not taking players on. And I, you know, I think I've said on the podcast before, I always, I always thought Ozil with um, Theo would be great because Ozil would find those, those runs that Theo makes. But, you know... They've only played together five times, well, I think. Yeah, well, then, you know, maybe that maybe I'll hold on to that and try yeah. and try and keep connecting. Yeah. But, but the thing with Sanchez, yeah. sorry, just going back to Sanchez, yeah. Yeah. you know, we're obviously all expert football managers having worked not half a day in football, but we've also <laughs> become expert body language readers. <laughs> you know, because every time you say Sanchez sort of there and he's got his, he's sort of shaking his head or he's showing despair, we're going, oh, well, that's it, he's off in January, isn't he? He's got, he can't wait to get out of here. I don't think that's probably the case. But I, I can understand his frustration, and I do wonder if, if come next summer we haven't stepped up a notch. So for 10 years, everyone's saying, oh, Wenger's had no money to spend. We're rubbish because he's had no money to spend. The stadium's taken, taken, he's done so brilliant to get us in the top four with no money, right? As soon as he's got money to spend, the two signings, Ozil and Sanchez, Right, Ozil looks like he's going to be a flop from you know what everyone's been saying, and may well be sold in January. Sanchez has been a huge success, but the rest of the teams let him down, so he's going to be walking as soon as he bloody can if he's got any sense. So what does that say about Wenger's you know managerial kind of? As soon as they give him money to spend, he signs two players that can't wait to leave. So which which is money to spend in January? It's ridiculous. That was my last question, Mike. Well, Thank so you. Yeah. That's so right. Yeah. No, that's why you're the publisher. Um, so in January, will Wenger sign anyone? It's the last question. Oh, Think yeah. about it seriously. Well, I mean, we will. Will we sign the quality we want? Will we sign it in the positions we need? God only knows. I wouldn't bat on it. On January the thirty-first, yeah, someone. Yeah, but Kalstrom's available. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! What a, if we if he is going to sign anyone, it needs to be January the first. For God's sake, yeah. not flipping Jan, January the thirty-first. And would you give Wenger any more money to spend? Well, if it was me, I'd well, sack Wenger tomorrow and I'd get Tony Poulis in. But we've established it. He would turn those players we've got Steve, into decent players. We've established, yeah, Wenger's probably not going anywhere. No. So how much money do we give him in, in like, January and who does he spend it on? Well, there's talk of Hummels, isn't there? If Hummels is mad enough to sign for us, well then I'd love Hummels, obviously. He's, good, he's a good player. You know, and maybe, you know, Sanchez and Oswald might be, you know, reinvigorated with Hummels in the back four. But, but, but that's just basically icing over the cracks or whatever it is because we st I, think, I don't think Chesney is a good keeper Chesney has to go and um, you know but 
yeah, okay, Wenger's going to sign players, fine. But I wouldn't give him tuppence. I'd get a new manager in. Have you any expectations for January, Kevin? Well, he's, he's already stated publicly he will sign a defender. So we will see a defender arrive. Um, much more than that, not convinced, no. I think uh, he'll hold his fire until the summer. And it's then... Groundhog Day all over again. It is rather. I mean, you know, it, it, the point <laughs> being, we had we had an opportunity of takeoff, of liftoff, of yes, winning the cup. Indeed, uh, we had the money to do it. Uh, we were well positioned to strengthen and address the weaknesses. We didn't, and you don't get too many chances like that. You do if you ask the venue, though. Well, no, I mean, like in terms of the actual, the, the, the moment of opportunity. is the, To become the, a winning team. The black you're... power movement used to say, seize the moment. Yes. Mm. And we didn't seize it. No, and no. I'm afraid that is down to one man and one man only. Mm. And uh, this purgatory will continue until he's carried out of the stadium in a box. Well, on that cheery note, um, that's sadly it. I hope at home you haven't hung, um, chucked yourself off a building or hung yourself. The Samaritans are there if you need them at any time. I have got the number to hand, but feel free to give them an AM, AM call. And you could always tweet me <laughs> some cheering up. My word. Um, so time has got the better of us for this pod. Before we go, I'm going to hand you over to Mr Cheerful himself, Kevin, to talk about the latest issue of Britain's Best Football Fanzine. Yes, the latest issue of the Guna, issue number 246, will remain on sale for the home games against Manchester United and Dortmund and any away games around this time. And uh, the issue is packed with great articles. Unfortunately, it is not a feel-good issue. And remember (laughs) that this was put together before the Anderlecht and um, Swansea matches. So... You know, our, our writers aren't stupid. You know, they can see the writing on the wall. Um, so it's a realistic take, but there are some really, there's some really great writing about the situation at the club, as well as a very good interview with Amy Lawrence on happier days, uh, in which uh, she uh, talks about her Invincibles book and the uh, Invincible season generally, which which will cheer anybody up. I've read that book; it's very good. It is interviews with every player who played in that team, apart from oh, who's who, Steve? Don't know. One player refused to be interviewed for the book. The oh, Invincible games. Actually, no, no. Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole. Yeah, but it's a very good book. Mm-hmm. Exceptional. Anyway. Don't forget, oh, sorry, is that it, Kev? Well, it's just £2.50 are available on your route to the stadium at all the home matches. And if you're an, untold, mail order. And if you're an untold Arsenal fan, you won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Don't forget, you can email us with any questions. No one quiz Steve on politics or his love for talk sport. The email address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. The Twitter account, which was going crazy for this edition, thank you very much for that, is at gunapodcast. And by next month, there'll be a Facebook page, a Snapchat thing. Who knows where Kevin's going to stop? <laughs> the world is our oyster. Instagram is going to be crazy. But um, anyway, it's time to say goodbye. Thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Um, thank you, uh, Mike. Very, very depressing, but fun nevertheless. And Kevin. A special hello to Mr. Joe Broadfoot and come out from behind the toothpaste. Yes, um, Joe, you were spotted in Tunbridge Wells boots, but we shan't go into any more details than that. Um, we'll be back in December with the next pod don't know who'll be hosting that that one but you can rest assured it'll be someone brilliant I'm Mark Ollington and we'll see you again next time la-di-da-di-da la-di-da-di-dee all good friends and jolly good company well, hey! <laughs>